What's up, everybody? My name is Brandon McCollum, also known as BMC, and this is Nice Minds. I'm with a very, 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 very special guest, my homie, Darian Kay. How you doing? Hey, how's it going, Brandon? What's up? So how I know you, um, I mean, you actually just hit me up randomly on Facebook one day. I think that's how we got connected. It, you, I, I think you were, like, looking for people in, like, the Twin Cities area to, to connect with. And that's how we connected. We went to uh, college together, I think. Like, that's I don't right. know if we went the, the same year or not, but we both at some point went to the Institute of Production Recording. I was there for about a year, I think from 2012 to 2013. But um, yeah, I started reaching out 2021 to people on social media that I knew in all sorts of different major cities and just like kind of reestablishing those connections. It's been dope to be connected so far. I mean, you've uh, you've definitely brought me work as a, as a recording engineer uh, with with one of your artists um but uh why don't you go into a little background about yourself how did you get started with music i actually started with music from a very young age so uh my mom she was a single waitress she worked like between 40 and 60 hours a week um you know my dad was in prison while i was growing up and my mom later did marry in life when i was about i think i was like eight nine years old i don't really remember six seven um but during my formative years, my mom would leave me with my grandma a lot, um, you know, um, and she she was uh, married to John Lambert, who is a booking agent and a musician in the area, very well known over here in Wisconsin, where I'm from. Um, I'm from Appleton, Wisconsin, and uh, they lived in a small trailer home, actually, in Forest Junction, Wisconsin, and they had a recording studio in their in their trailer home. And my mom would uh, leave me with them. And, uh, you know, my grandma really helped out a lot, helped raise me when I was younger. And I just naturally started picking up those instruments and playing, you know, playing the guitar and playing the keyboard. And I would watch my grandpa as he was playing and and kind of mimic what he was doing, you know, from a very young age. I got my first guitar at the age of five and um, I started songwriting and recording with a little cassette tape recorder when I was about eight, nine. My first performance was age 11. Um, so I performed shows from age 11 on to about, uh, I would say, 20 is when I stopped performing. You were like five, you said, when you got started? Yeah. It was, and uh, see, the guitar, I, I always loved the guitar. That was what I wanted to get into the most. Um, and as I was younger, you know, it, it would hurt my fingers a lot. There was a lot deterring me from getting into it. And I would kind of pick it up for a while and then put it back down, pick it up and put it back down. And then... Um, you know, as I got older, I actually really stuck to it, started taking lessons, and my grandpa finally started teaching me actually how to play. That's what's up. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you mentioned that you went to IPR for a little while, um, but when did you, you said that you uh, you just started Inner City Sound last year, did you say? I took a, a step back from music for a long time, so I, I moved away from Minneapolis. I left college, um, you know, I would say probably, I left like 2013, I think is when I stopped IPR, but I ended up leaving state and moving down to Florida like 2014, 2015. Um, and my life just took like a much different path, like a very, you know, school of hard knocks path. And um, I couldn't do what I wanted to do in life. There's like a lot holding me back and like a lot of obstacles and a lot of like losses that I had to take. And um, it really changed who I was. And for a long time, I like lost my voice, like as a musician and as a person trying to figure out who am I again. And um, finally, like after the tragedy we all experienced in 2020 with like the pandemic and whatnot, I finally got this clarity of mind of, you know, like every day really matters. You need to do what you love to do now. 
you know, because you might not have next month or next year. So my perspective kind of changed. And then I, I kind of like formed inner city sound with this sense of urgency, you know, that I didn't have before. Um, it's always been inside of me. Everybody's always known, you know, I was eventually going to create a record label and be a producer and everybody kind of predicted this path. And I kind of knew it in my heart, but it was a matter of when are you actually going to sit down and do it, you know? When we have conversations, I see a lot of similarities um, in you as like myself uh, when I first started Nice Guy Entertainment, because, you know, I, I ran it as a record label and mm -hmm. um, kind of with the same exact uh, vision and goals in mind as far as like helping artists kind of get, get their start and help launch artist careers. And, you know, I... Right. Um, right away after starting at IPR, Nice Guy Entertainment kind of took shape. And um, I think at one point we were like, we were like 10 artists deep at one point. And right. I was like doing a bunch of different albums. I was like wearing all these hats. Like I was recording engineer, producer, yeah. uh, you know, I was booking shows and I actually like really got my name um, booking shows. Uh, right. And I think that's kind of how we connected too. Um, cause I, I really stopped, um, booking shows. I think the last one I booked was like July, 2019. Um, cause I, I, I found it, you know, even though like I love every single person that was ever a part of NGE, um, I found it really hard to continue, uh, during the pandemic and, you know, after my mom got sick and I was helping take care of my mom and, my priorities just kind of shifted and, and it got to be a lot to juggle, especially wearing yeah. all, all the hats that, that my artists and people that I was working with were used to me wearing, you know, like I was, you know, it was, it was hard to kind of spread myself as thin as I was before. Um, yeah. So I really commend and uh, I love it when people tell me that they're, wanting to start a label and especially for genuine reasons like yourself i was very anti-record label for like a very long time i didn't really believe in like the concept and the structure of them like as we know it um i really always believed that a new path needed to be taken um that would strayed far away from the traditional concept of like the record label um and like you said we all got to learn like when when are we spreading ourselves too thin and when are we doing too much you know what i mean um you kind of touched before on like we have a mutual goal of helping artists start their careers you know fostering them and mentoring them so that they can actually have healthy prolonged sustainable careers and um i just kind of like found that i have to step back a little bit as a person and let my artists take control you know and and do their own thing and i'm trying to allow more um production to be done on the artist's behalf and allowing them to go with their own producers and their own people that they're more comfortable with to like kind of save on costs but then also save on like you know my own energy and my own um sanity so what i found though is i when i originally started ics i was just trying to book shows and um i ended up learning so much about my artists and their different personalities and um you know what they needed and so much more needed to be done and so many more shoes needed to be filled and i ended up just kind of naturally forming a label so that i didn't have to build individual brands you know from the ground up now ics is kind of functioning as a umbrella brand yeah i love that and that's something that i really realized um 
when I sat and like thought about what I do with artists, I mean, I think, I think it's important that we re revisit like our why, like, why are we doing the things that we're doing? I think it's, it's good to like assess that. Um, and I really thought about it and it, it comes back to like everything that you're saying, like, um, giving people opportunities that I wish that I would have had when I was younger, you know, and, and when I was first starting and, and I, I like, like oftentimes, like I catch myself thinking like, damn, I wish I had a me in my life. Like, I wish I had, you know, somebody that, you know, kind of, I mean, I do, I, I, I won't like take away from any of the, the mentors that I've had over the years. I mean, cause I've, I've had some, you know, some decent mentors, but, um, I, I just think about the different things that I do and, and have done for artists. And I'm just like, man, I think when we were back in IPR, you know, I don't know. I don't know where you were at. Cause we did, we didn't really talk when we were both in college. So I don't know what your career was like and what your stance was like. But when I first went to IPR, I didn't know what my goal looked like. I didn't understand like, what I was going to school for. Like, what am I trying to do? There was no model to look at and be like, this is what I'm trying to do other than Ryan Sayers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, which we don't really, you know, we're not really even thinking about right now, but like back in the day that I've worked with Ryan Sayers would have been like the biggest like miracle come true. And I think that was like the only thing in our mind and like Minnesota music culture at that time that we could like become. And I don't think we realized that we weren't going to school to learn how to work for somebody else. We were going to school to learn how to work for ourselves and how to, you know, um, like much like you do freelance work and find your own work and how to like employ yourself. Um, and it, we ultimately had to become our own employers because our job didn't exist. And they yep. were telling us not to do it. Everybody was saying this is an unstable career. The music industry is falling apart. Like there's no way to collect any money on what you do. There's no money in it. And we ultimately had to like make the money and find the path and we had to make the label to hire ourselves you know you nailed it uh you have to be really scrappy in order to be in this business yeah. you have to really like you have to really hustle and you have to really figure out like you know find the different niches that um other people aren't finding you know find the the business that other people aren't you know able to do or mm -hmm. you know just just be that separate yourself from the pack and be that different to where you know you you're able to do the things that other people can't do um that i mean i think that that's what's what it really takes to be successful in this industry you know you know i agree with you um my mentor john lambert that i i was talking about before um my grandpa who helped to raise me he he told me um don't ever forget that you know, while you may love playing guitar and writing songs and singing, he said there's going to be other aspects of your career that you have to fill in order to like actually be able to make enough money to survive and to eat and to, you know, eventually leave your job. He's, he was like, you know, I don't just perform shows and, and play the guitar. I make videos. I do photography. I do promotion. I do advertising. You know, I do social media work. I do networking. I do all of these different things. I create digital products. I sell beats. I do guitar lessons. I give keyboard lessons. I give Ableton lessons. And every day of the week, you know, he's working on something else, always working on a different project, you know, um, just really always encouraging me to be fluent in like not only different DAWs, but also like in different medias, you know, video yep. versus music versus, you know, whatever. And so that's something I'm trying to like get more familiar with is video and, and editing and all that. Um, which is a whole nother realm to get into. Um, yeah. But 
with the emphasis just being that it's very crucial that you are not stubborn in this industry to the you well you have to be stubborn but you have to not be so stubborn that you're closed-minded you have to keep your mind open to the opportunities that are around you because there's there's money all around you you just have to be willing to do the work yeah i I mean that's exactly it i mean it's crazy because uh you know i started as a as a rapper and a producer as everybody who follows this podcast has heard me said a million times but um i now find myself getting cuz i you know i also do podcast stuff so i you know i've gotten podcast work but then like one of my ex-girlfriends just hit me up the other day last week and as a valentine's day uh present for her husband she wants to record him doing voiceover work and wants me to make a mm-hmm. uh, a demo reel for for his voiceover talent. Right. And yeah. I'd like, you know, I think even 10 years ago, I wouldn't even like thought to do that. You know, I wouldn't even, right. even like, you know, I don't I don't that kind of gig wouldn't have even f- fell into my lap, you know, so it's yeah, it's really like you really have to keep your your mind open and, and not be opposed to doing different things that you you've never done before and you know to try different things and to you know ultimately you know yeah there gets to a point where you have to like say no to a lot of stuff but be willing to say yes you know if it's something that's like you know interesting to you and in your wheelhouse and something that you know that you can accomplish and something that you can add to your resume um that wasn't there before you know I mean, right. so yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's, it's important to stay versatile in this industry for sure. Yeah. Versatility is uh, definitely key. Um, like you said, it's important to know what's like in your wheelhouse and what, what isn't too, cause sometimes you might take on something that's way too big, you know what I mean? Um, but something I thought that was interesting, kind of just speaking of, you know, versatility is, uh, last time when I went to actually go see you, we were recording, a. Nameless TJK, that song in my zone, yep. um, and that that same day we went to the Mall of America earlier in the day. It was either that day or the day after, and we um, walked past Community Commons, which is a store I believe on the third floor of the Mall of America. Um, so we were just in the Mall of America hanging out, and we walked past, and we were wearing Inner City Sound merchandise, and all of us had like some sort of piece of merch on, you know. And somebody from that store it caught their eye, and they pulled us in, and they were like, "Hey, like you're a brand, you're a record label, like whatever, you know. We wanna, um, we wanna have a music video to promote like our clothing brand and whatnot." So we got to talking to this guy about you know, music videos and recording music, and um, then somebody said, "Hey, like we really like your." your clothing like why don't you try to get it into the mall of america into the store or whatever you know into community commons so we started actually networking with some of the community commons entrepreneurs and um mall of america administrative staff and now um they actually really are stoked about the inner city sound brand and they said hey like what about not just selling clothes but selling albums and visual art and kind of using like all sorts of different assets of your um, network to promote your brand within a brick and mortar store, which I had never thought about doing. Um, so we produced our first collection of clothing and it, it keeps selling out still to this day. Like every time we make a batch, it sells out so quickly. We can't, you know, we can't print more, you know, and it, it's been very expensive because we went with like a high quality screen printer and we're trying to like 
find a way to rebalance and recalibrate those costs. But um, yeah, we keep getting kind of pushed further and further in the clothing industry. And now we're looking at not just being a brand that produces merch as part of a label, but a brand that also um, makes like high-end luxury streetwear. So now we're learning about streetwear and textiles and fabrics and wholesale and all, all this different stuff. We never thought that we would be doing and we're getting introduced to a lot of different um, malls uh, across America and whatnot to try to get our brand into different stores. Speaking of that, and, and I'll, I will I will cut this out if you don't want to talk about it, but um, you told me this crazy story the other day that I think would be super interesting to tell on this, like about like mm-hmm. somebody that ripped you off. Um yeah so do do you care to talk about that can you share that i'll speak on it like in a limited capacity um yeah so we we went to go put our stuff in a store in downtown st paul um in the skyway at 444 cedar avenue i think it was um and i had a bad feeling about this guy and whatnot that we were working with and um everybody said no darian it's your anxiety don't worry about it there's no reason he's only done good business whatever and then i got a call from minnesota state patrol and they said do you know why your merchandise is all over the highway on 29 eastbound over here and i was like um no but i have a pretty good feeling i do and so (laughs) i got to making phone calls and right away the guy got super aggressive with me super mean making threats death threats and everything and i think the crazy thing is i forget how loyal my family is like the people that love me are loyal to me i don't have like a lot of people but i do like because the people that i have it's like being rich versus being wealthy you know, when it comes to relationships, I'm wealthy, I'm not rich. Like my relationships are strong and I've been fostering them for a decade or more. And the people who mess with me really mess with me. And so it's not good to step on my toes because ultimately I'll recover everything. And so I just made three phone calls and within three phone calls, everything was recovered. So it was in three different locations, Minnesota State Patrol, somewhere like some sort of site. I don't I don't know what it was. It, I don't know what the site was. I just had the address. I had a guy go there. So I don't know, somewhere where they stashed stuff away. So I had to send somebody to go to State Patrol and get my stuff. So we got the stuff from there. Then I had to send somebody to the Mall of America because he's got my stuff in the Mall of America now presenting it on the rack as his own brand, not diversifying it from, you know, being a different, totally different brand than his, just kind of taking credit. I told him you can put two pieces there and he had a whole lot more than that. So my friends went and took the stuff straight off the shelves. And at first the Mall of America didn't like that. Then they went to his store and they found him and they took back all the stuff from there. Now it's being mailed back to me, priority mail right now. So everything's been recovered in less than one week. We're missing one beanie. That's it. We, we lost $15 tops. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's unreal. I, like when you told me that story, I was just like, holy <laughs> shit. I can't believe you yeah. guys recovered everything. I mean, that's amazing. ICS recovery team is no joke. Yeah, I bet. Pe- Damn. People get to popping out that you have never seen before. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that is crazy. Yeah. And we're not looking to get into any problems with anybody. We're very reserved about it. You know what I mean? Very reserved. And the Mall of America, I... I sent my people in there and I said, okay, go put me on the phone or whatever with them. So they went and found somebody. They're like, there's no manager. I was like, I don't care. I need to talk to somebody. So I talked to somebody and she was like, 
well, I can't give you permission to take the stuff out of the store, but I also am not going to tell you not to. And I said, well, then they're going to take it. I was like, I don't know what to tell you. And um, I called later and I left a voicemail for the top administrative person. I said, hey, I just want you to know, like, this is the truth about what happened. Like, I really apologize. Like, in all sincerity, no disrespect to your store or your space. Um, I didn't mean to be so assertive, but a situation had unfolded. I had to, like, take control of, unfortunately. And she uh, responded to my voicemail and was like, you know, thank you for making us aware of this, you know, aware of this individual and the situation. We had no idea you know, this was happening. And then they actually started to shoot off some ideas for the brand too. We got carried away talking about that. Some exciting things for the future. But um, ultimately there was no loss and it was a fun adventure and it, it restored faith in my team. It made me, you know, excited. It made me realize what we can do. Like there really are people who look get on the ground and, and make sure that like we get out there by any means possible and, and protect our brand. That's incredible. Um, I mean, speaking of which, uh... Where do you see uh, ICS going in five years? Like, what is your ultimate goal for um, for ICS by like twenty twenty seven? You know, just kind of looking at before we get into the next, you know, five years, the next three years or so, the next two to three years, we want to get to a point where we have, you know, between four and ten artists on a roster that are playing at least one to two shows a week, you know, with consistency. Um, we want to get into the market where we're making at least between, you know, 250 to 1,000 a show and have probably like, you know, six or seven main artists. And that's kind of our goal is to just generate like a consistent income. Um, we want to stay with our artists over the course of a few years to help them build and grow and increase, um, you know, their payment per show. And, it, you know, overall make us make us more profitable together so that when ICS succeeds, we all succeed and vice versa. Nobody's paying in to be a part of it. Um, we're all working together towards a common goal and to increase, you know, our wealth as a community to kind of like redirect opportunities from these huge labels and corporations back, back to us. Um, and I think once we get to a point where we're able to stabilize ourselves in that way by following our passion and our music, we can kind of look at okay, now what are we capable of? Now where do we go? Now what is our direction? Um, ultimately, we want to be, you know, a sustainable record label. We also want to have mentorship programs and safe spaces in the community. Um, we have a lot of charitable goals in mind and whatnot, too. Um, Inner City Sound really believes in fighting uh, gentrification inside um, urban areas. One thing we want to get into is founding a charity to help um, BIPOC and LGBT communities actually buy homes in the cities and neighborhoods that they live in. Um, so that we're not paying rent to these these like corrupt landlords and whatnot. So we want to get ourselves, you know, on our feet and to a point where we can leave our full time jobs and do what we love, and then also look at how can we give back to the community. You know, um, we we look at what are we going to look at nationwide too. Um, you know, we're called Inner City Sound. We're not uh, city specific. You know. Um, we have very strong roots in the Midwest and in the Minneapolis area, but we're also looking at Florida and California um, and Illinois. So um, that's something we would like to see. We'd like to see our clothing brand grow, and we'd also like to see um, stability and a sustainable roster. That's amazing goals. I mean, it sounds really realistic, too. It's not like, you know, some people like like myself are like, I want a Grammy in three years. Uh, I mean, that's my yeah. that's my goal. But but it sounds yeah, like you're yeah. you're taking yeah. it like a little bit more realistic and and practical, yeah. which which I really like. And I, and I love the um, the helping 
people aspect of it and the charitable aspect of it. I, I love all that. And I, I really appreciate what you represent and what you believe in. And you've been a huge help to me too, Brandon. I, I really appreciate it. You know, the, the engineering work that you did was really, really good um, on In My Zone. I look forward to working with you in the future. Um, always glad that we can network and help each other out. And, uh, you know, I want to say thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Fuck yeah. Um, do you have any last words that you would like to leave the people with? Yeah, I guess I just want to say, um, you know, keep going no matter how hard it gets. This industry is very hard and there will be a lot of times as an entrepreneur that you think you're broken and you think that everything is so messed up and so destroyed that there's just no way to recover. And if you are meant to be in this industry, you will rebuild and you will succeed and you will keep going. You get more and more used to taking the punches and taking the hits and it, it affects you emotionally less and less and you start thinking with that logic part of your mind. So, you know, it's not tenacity is very important and just um sticking with your goals knowing yourself and knowing no matter how hard it gets and how how many haters you got that you got to keep doing what you love don't ever let anybody make you question what you're doing if you stop and question yourself that's when everything starts to fall apart so you know who you are you keep going with what you are and don't look at this outside you know static and whatnot so just keep going no matter how hard it gets always be the best at what you do you know, be prepared to wake up two hours early before you work your nine to five every day, you know, for a year if you have to, to work on your goals and, and keep waking up every day with that same rhythm and that same routine. You got to uh, keep it going. That's pretty much what I got to say. Just don't give up. Phenomenal piece of advice and phenomenal last words. And uh, I appreciate you and I appreciate everything that you represent and, and the you know, the business and the network that you keep bringing my way. And I hope to do the same for you in the future. Um, and I hope that we work together a lot more in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Have a good night. You too.